0: Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the wet coast. Our desire for sexual experiences, both solo and with a partner or partners, fluctuates for countless reasons. Stress, fatigue, hormones, depression, body image, and connectivity are just a few of the things that can affect a person's libido. Sometimes novelty can kickstart libidos into firing on all cylinders with new locations, toys, situations, and partners, shifting us out of our usual patterns of desire. But sometimes, things like crushes and NRE can shift one partner's libido away from a longer-term partner to a new one and leave a person feeling left out and undesirable. Since we live in such a sex-negative society, talking about negative impacts on libido are considered frivolous since sexuality isn't considered to be a worthwhile measure of quality of life. It's also not stressed that we connect and partner with people who share similar libidos to ours, since sexual compatibility is a shallow and selfish measure of relationship quality. Today on The Wet Coast, we're talking about our libidos, not ours specifically, though it will probably come up, figuring out how they work, working with others to get on the same page, or at least chapter, desire-wise, managing our relationships when our libidos aren't where we want them to be, and tips to find a way back to our sexy selves.
1: I'm Cat Stark, and I'm here with Flick Morrison.
0: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently you sound like the Fawns. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Hey. Uh, before we get started, we wanted to give a big shout out to some of our awesome Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash on the wet coast. Big thanks to Kevin, to Greg, Cassandra, and Damien. We love you all, and thank you for your ongoing support.
0: So, we should probably start with a a definition of libido. And really, in its simplest forms, it means sexual desire.
1: Okay. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks.
0: (laughs) Um, And I I quite liked this one um, about uh, the definition in in psychoanalysis is it's the energy of the sexual drive as a component of the life instinct.
1: Hmm see what's what 's great about that is that that seems to encapsulate the importance that libido plays yeah. in in us as as beings and not not just as sexual beings
0: yeah and it it felt much more holistic that I expected something to to come out of the psychoanalysis. Um, Freudian kind of thing um, yeah. to be there, but yeah, it, I mean, it's it's a drive for a reason. Um, yet, so much of the time, you know, it's it's considered unimportant and kind of kind of silly and often selfish. Well,
1: there. Is- It has other derided connotations as well, like libido is often considered, you know, animalistic and primal. And so some people see it as, you know, a distraction, something that, you know, would ideally be overcome, but otherwise, you know, something that you sort of um, sate so that you can get on with, you know, the more important things, you know. And you know, because we're in a, in a society that values productivity over all other things, yeah. libido is a drain on productivity because yeah. it can be a distraction during the working hours. It can reduce your availability for, you know, for being a, a productive cog in the capitalist machine.
0: <laughs> for sure. So there's a few different things that are going to affect people's libido. Um, and again, in, in some fairly simple terms, the, the factors are biological psychological and social i feel like everything can kind of fit into one or several of those categories at the same time
1: no that's fair and you know and and obviously obviously those are those are blur a lot in the boundaries For sure. right so the the there's a lot of blurring between psychological and and biology because a lot of our psychology comes from hormones and brain chemistry and similarly the the line between uh you know societal and um you know and cultural issues will blur over between that and and psychological factors
0: yeah indeed and i i found when i was going through a lot of this and thinking about an outline I put things in different categories and then switched them out in, yes. it, because it sort of felt like they should be in one place. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that should probably be in the other. So yeah, they often felt like they could have been in either or both. Now, one of the best things that I've come across that talks about sexual desire and libido is the book Come As You Are, written by Emily Nagoski, PhD. Um, it is a fantastic book. I would recommend it to pretty much everyone to read and to just. I sort of thought, like, I knew enough about my libido and my desire that I was like, ugh, you know, I don't need to read this because I've got the gist of it and I know all this stuff. And it was one of those like complete mind blown kind of kind of reads for me i you know i'm normally pretty uptight about about writing in books or, or dog-earing pages and stuff i was trained very well as a, a young person in the library that you did never that you did not do this kind of thing to books um, but i have scribbled all over my copy i've got pages folded down i've you know i just would underline an exclamation mark and stuff so Um, I I definitely would recommend Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sex Life. I always love the subtitles on these things.
1: And you're giving people permission to write in and dog ear on their their copies as well.
0: Absolutely. But maybe not if you get it from the library because that's kind of inconsiderate. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you know, I, I recommend that you get a physical copy rather than, um, an ebook version of it, um, because you'll want to scribble all over it. And there's a pile of great exercises in it and that sort of thing that I feel like Having a physical copy was much better for me than if I'd you know been reading it on my Kindle. Um, Some sometimes in my Kindle I will highlight something and add a
1: note, and that is a signal to myself to forget about that forever and never come back and look at that. Pretty um, much, it's I, I don't know that I've ever gone back to look at a at a highlight or a note that I've put in a Kindle book.
0: Yeah, and I think that is exactly the same for me. So I like for things like this, I like to have a paper copy if I can. Um, but one of the, the basic breakdowns that she makes is talking about spontaneous desire versus responsive desire. So, a spontaneous desire is one that shows up without specific stimulation. You're just like, you know, you get horny. You're like, hey, I'd like to have sex or masturbate or, or whatever you like. Responsive desire shows up in response to stimulation of some kind, so, maybe you start making out with somebody, and it starts getting hot and heavy, and then you're like, oh, yeah. But you don't necessarily get the desire before you're feeling that stimulation.
1: Interesting. So, what's what's the sort of um,
0: delineation between
1: spontaneous and responsive, like, um, is... Um, is a spontaneous person, like if, if we're, if we're flirting and I get aroused by the flirting, is that responsive or is that spontaneous or, um, is spontaneous entirely sort of internal and fantasy, um, uh, driven? Like, you know, if, um, if, if you look at your partner and, and get aroused, is that spontaneous or responsive?
0: Um, I think there's probably some grey areas between the two, and I think people have different responses at different times in their lives, or even, like, with different partners or different situations. Right. Um, I think probably flirting would be kind of a responsive, where you're you're sort of getting into it and you're getting the feels, but the fact that you started the flirting is a little spontaneous. So yeah, I think, you know, it's not always like you are this or this, but it's helpful to give you a bit of an, oh, I'm not broken, because this is how I experience desire. And for so much of, of my upbringing, it, it was like spontaneous as kind of the right way to feel desire right um and so it was i think this book has been really helpful for a lot of people to learn that no that's just one way that desire is is experienced and that if you feel it differently then you know you're not broken you're not wrong it's just you're just different
1: yeah and it's and one of the things that's that's interesting about it is that um if you if you find yourself being uh you know having a responsive sex drive um often you can decide that you want to have sex when you're not aroused yeah. knowing that you will probably get aroused and when once you know the the once conditions are perfect yes
0: <laughs> and i think that sort of you know people who schedule sex and do stuff like that you know like sometimes that is that's a thing you know you're like okay let's do this and then once you're getting into it you're like oh yeah i'm super into it um but yeah it's just like you're not always gonna feel that and we're absolutely not saying that people should have the sex that they don't want to have (laughs) um in no way are, are we talking about that kind of situation but um but that you're like a willing participant even if you're not necessarily like feeling it, but that you maybe will get to the point where you are really feeling it. So um, that's a delineation there. Um, One of the other great things she talks about is arousal non-concordance. And when I was first reading it, I read it as arousal nonchalance. And I yeah. <laughs> I was kind of uh, like, yeah, 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 I'm cool. Yeah, I'm down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, in fact, when I managed to make all the letters go in the right order, um, it's that your body is responding differently than your mind to stimulus. So, often people talk about, like, oh, I can tell you're horny because you're so wet. Right. And so, um, you know, you can be wet, you can be secreting vaginal secretions or or... Precum for that matter, um, but not necessarily be aroused, or you can be incredibly aroused but not be producing nope. that um so it, particularly with people with vaginas, that's a really common kind of thing. But, you know, like people have experienced it with penises too. You know, you've been at play party situations um, where your dick is like, I'm here, but <laughs> I'm not going to jump into the playtime. Um, you know, and you're aroused and you're into the people and you're feeling desire, but your body isn't just kicking in in that way.
1: I, You know, I've, I've had the the opposite as well where you know my my dick's been hard but I've been uncomfortable with mm. the situation and you know haven't haven't felt aroused and so f- you know be because my body was responding my, you know feeling um really like uh, kind of broken and conflicted about what was going on
0: and especially in in strange situations or swinging kind of things you know play parties orgies that kind of situation um yeah our bodies might be responding quite differently well yeah
1: i mean um for uh, as um you know someone with a dick like you know for most of my life having a, a you know a really uh responsive uh libido and you know seeing seeing arousing images and just you know uh, always being hard and then you know uh getting into my 40s and it's like you know my dick doesn't show up quite as eagerly as it used to and and one of the things that has been a real a real shock in that is is parsing the difference between you know being attracted to somebody and being aroused by them and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know sometimes someone will be like drop dead gorgeous and super hot but that it doesn't like uh light me up
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and you know and so often that is something that is uh it's that it, it must be pheromonal yeah. where you know um they they just don't don't connect with me chemically and so and so yeah being being surprised at being you know um being you know very attracted to somebody but but not actually you know uh chemically interested in them mm
0: mm-hmm yeah our bodies are are confusing,
1: yeah yeah and when I was younger, it was not a problem, right yeah. like you know um there there was there was really no distinction mm-hmm. and you know and and being older and you know having um you know having my body less responsive it's it's kind of an important consideration
0: yeah so let's look at the different factors that we that we touched on earlier, so when it comes to biological factors that influence desire and libido whether you're on the asexuality spectrum is definitely a piece of that.
1: Right. And you know and there's there's so many different types yeah. of asexuality. Um yeah. you know s- some almost never experience uh you know desire and and some people um may, may be very interested in sex just very infrequently, you know, maybe maybe once or twice a year or so.
0: Mhm. Yeah and there's that's I referred to it as a spectrum because there is such a a range in experiences and and again that that lack of desire certainly doesn't mean someone is broken in any way it's just that that is is what their wiring is and so people experience it differently there's sometimes there's a, a term called gray ace where people might experience some desire but they sort of often sort of feel like they fall in between Um, fully asexual and a sort of typical sex drive right and then some people uh who are asexual quite enjoy sex but they just don't crave it right so So
1: they're they're you know they're uh they're willing but they're 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 certainly not going to go out of their way to seek it
0: yeah yeah so they experience physical pleasure it's enjoyable Mm -hmm. it might be a great way to connect with a partner they they're just not craving it the way that uh, people who are experiencing other kind of desires do so
1: and I, and i think one one of the elements on the sexuality spectrum is often called demisexual mm-hmm. where you need a certain, uh, degree of like bond and, um, you know, and connection to somebody before, you know, and, and that's usually established over time mm-hmm. before you can, uh, can have sexual feelings with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so, so yeah, that's, that's a sort of another point on the, the asexuality spectrum that, you know, maybe some people might you know uh, might not know about this, and might feel that they're you know they're they're broken, that you know they they can't sort of you know have have the fun that they see other people feeling. But it's you know this might just be the way that you work, and there are the people like this.
0: Yeah, and you know, particularly in the sex positive world where so many of us are just like. <laughs> Sex all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really easy to to feel dismissed when you're not, you know, feeling those same sort of things that other people are expressing. Um, and you know, that's what is really important about sex positivity. Positivity is that you're positive and enthusiastic about everybody's different experience of it. it it's and,
1: true. Uh, so, uh,
0: often, sex
1: positivity seems to um, seems to manifest as. Uh, you know as as really encouraging everybody to be slutty yeah and as opposed to um, you know true sex positivity, which is you know encouraging people to have the happy, healthy sex life that's that suits them mm-hmm. so other other uh, biological factors uh, can be hormonal birth control, which can have a, a really a really big effect on libido
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, messing with those, those typical hormone patterns can, can uh, you know, sometimes it, it bumps up libido for some people and sometimes it really can just crater it.
1: You know, and, and often switching medication will, yeah. will, will have the, the strongest change and, you know, and, and, and your body will adapt over time as, you know, as you've been on the medication for a while. So definitely uh, monitor that if you, if you have made medic- medication changes. Uh, but, you know, for for a lot of physicians, your libido and sex drive is not really going to be important to them. Yeah. So you will probably need to, to take more control over this than you might with, with some medical, uh, some of your medical decisions and, um, you know, and, and decide how how important uh, your libido is compared to the, the other effects that you're medicating for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people have experienced that they're very attracted to different kinds of people, so whether it affects like the way that you perceive smells or mm. pheromones or that sort of thing where like you got together with someone while you were on birth control and then you go off and like you're just not I've heard to of them that before. Anymore, yeah. um or possibly vice versa. Um so yeah, it's these things that we just kind of play with cuz you know, it's very helpful to only have babies when you want to. Um, it you know it can have other unexpected side effects. Well, we've talked
1: about this before, but you know uh, on the subject of pheromones, that can be really really affected by um, the reason why it's affected by hormonal birth control is because it's affected by where you, where you are in your ovulation cycle. Yeah. Where during um, during ovulation, you're you're attracted to certain, more attracted to certain types of pheromones. Yeah. Um, and And during the rest of your cycle you're you're attracted to other types of pheromones more sometimes very strongly where yeah. somebody that you're really into um, it's kind of like a wall at at another point in your cycle and mm-hmm. it's it's related to to whether um whether you're uh, you're seeking um you know complementary or um or compatible antibodies yeah so
0: and, you know, when you take away the ovulation part of the cycle by being on hormonal birth control, like that, that sort of, you know, time that you're like almost guaranteed to be horny, or at yeah. least I was, um, it, you know, by taking that away, it sometimes takes away some of the natural rhythm that mm-hmm. you might have had in your uh, sexual desire.
1: Yeah, and and we've we've talked about uh, aging a bit already, and um and that has uh, that has a big effect on uh, libido. You know, you'll you find that that in in different phases of your life, almost in different decades, your your libido is going to be very very different.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing, and you know, particularly um, for women and people of other genders who have levels of estrogen and progesterone, you know, going through different cycles of, like, maybe pregnancy and childbirth and breastfeeding, and uh, then, you know, going through, like, perimenopause and menopause, and all these things are going to really differently affect, you know, what what your libido is going to be. It certainly happens with people who are, are more run by testosterone as well, um, but it seems to particularly be um, i guess it's more visible or maybe it's more talked about in uh in the experience of people with the estrogen fuel <laughs>
1: well it uh, i i'm guessing like like a lot of stuff um we have very specific expectations about what um you know what a man's libido is supposed to be and so there's there's um on an individual basis there's there's usually not a lot of like um discussion about how that shifts over time like Mm -hmm. i i don't hear um a lot from uh from male identified friends about how their libido has changed or what it's like um you know what their you know what their uh uh, erectile life is like that's not really talked about very much in fact I, i think i can only think of Of twice in my life that this has been a conversation that friends have had with me and once was from a very, very close friend and um and the other was uh, was from my boss who was you know kind of newly experiencing what I talked about, which is you know being a little bit older and your your cock being uh, starting to get a little bit fickle, and it's like you know I'm really into this, but it's a brand new situation mm-hmm. why you know why is suddenly my my heart on not showing up yeah and so those are those are the only two times in my life that this has been a conversation that uh that men have uh, men have had with me
0: mm hmm the
1: uh, the other interesting thing that that I've heard, uh, you know, a fair bit anecdotally. Um, I I don't know how this fits statistically or in the aggregate, but uh, but trans men when they when they start uh, taking testosterone often get that a uh, really supercharged libido, and they're yeah. they're quite surprised at how differently things feel whereas you know uh before they're like you know oh this person is really attractive you know i'd, I'd like to, like to talk to them you know they're they're really sexy whereas whereas on on the uh, on the, the testosterone it's like oh my god i just want to fuck this person and so the you know the the shift in libido from mm-hmm. from hrt is pretty significant
0: yeah for sure um so yeah our our little hormone soup that's going on <laughs> in our bodies definitely um, plays with us and, and aging is a, is a real time that that, that is shifting. So uh, it's definitely something to, to consider um, when you're having changes in libido
1: yeah and I'm guessing that as those things change you you may you may find that you've you've gone from from having a a lot of spontaneous desire to becoming you know uh, becoming more responsive needing to be sort of more more willing to see where something goes as mm-hmm. opposed to you know uh being being immediately dtf
0: yeah and often it's the it's the changes that are the rough patches yeah it's like you know we've we've been running this way and now it's running this way and just that shift can be really hard to, to deal with. So I think just being aware that we are going to have shifts like multiple times through our lives and sometimes multiple times a week um, (laughs) is, is really helpful to be like, okay, this, this experience is really quite normal.
1: Now there, there's physical wellness stuff that uh, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, with hormones that can have a big effect on your libido. Um, For, for me, uh, sort of uh, gastrointestinal health has has a really big effect and um, and often um, like having uh, bad skin will will you know make me a lot less interested mm. in, in sex and stuff and so it's like the feeling self-conscious about your body yeah feeling self-conscious about my body you know even even if even if it's you know um, with the, with the stomach stuff, if it's something that can be accommodated, still you know like like feeling self conscious about it mm. has uh, has a big effect. You know, and it's it's like you know oh you know like kind of take it easy or avoid these types of things because I'm not feeling that great. It kind of, it, it seems like it's it's easier just to kind of, you know, uh, put a wall up. And, you know, and I, I think that um, that often uh, there can be a lot of benefit to, you know, seeing what you can do as mm-hmm. opposed to, to just cutting it all off.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, I deal with IBS. And so, you know, again, gastro stuff is is something that really affects my sex drive too. And especially after... Having had an incident at one point in my sexual life, um, I am so self-conscious if I'm feeling a little unwell. And because stressful situations or new or different like will often set me off, so often the big, important, cool, <sighs> sexy instances yeah, and yeah, events... Yeah. Are gonna? I'm gonna be uncomfortable. It's, yeah, the
1: big party or the big trip yeah. or you know um, or a special visit with somebody. Anything that puts extra pressure on the on the scenario
0: yeah.
1: is gonna is it's gonna, often
0: gonna give me a flare up. Yeah. And and when I was reading um, my audiobook out loud, when I was actually like physically doing the reading um, and recording it, I was like, oh, it's interesting how many of these these big events. You know, I had this mystery illness that came up. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh. Um, But yeah, you know, there's not much sexy about having like a lot of (laughs) distress in your GI system. So um, that's definitely something can come up. But other kinds of illness, you know, people who are going through cancer treatment Uh or, um, you know, having a flare up of some sort of autoimmune thing, you know, you're often just not going to be feeling sexual.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and, and anything in the, in the bathing suit area is obviously going to have a big effect on it, mm. right? Whether it's, um, you know, it's, uh, inflamed prostate or any, any inflammation, uh, vaginismus and, and, um, Anything in, involving that is obviously going to have a big effect on on how you feel and, and what your libido is like.
0: Yeah, because if sex means pain, yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know you might still be willing to go through it because of the connectivity and and various things, but you're not necessarily going to be desiring it. So it is going to going to often tank your libido. Well, sometimes when, when I'm sick, like I've got a
1: a bad cold or flu or something, you know, sometimes, um, I will, you know, I'll I'll end up like, you know, like wanting to masturbate, but still feeling terrible. And so there's this, uh, I, I've talked to other people and this, this is apparently a thing where you jerk off when you're sick and it's, you know, you need to do it, and and it's kind of unpleasant. But you know, so it's kind of this weird, sort of feverish orgasm that you have. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, a very specific, singular thing.
0: Huh? Yeah, I don't know if I have experienced. That. <laughs> I,
1: I've 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 talked to all kinds of people who have who've had this, and yeah, so it's it's a thing.
0: Your attraction to your partner is obviously a uh, a piece of this as well.
1: Yeah, it's true, and um, and like I mentioned before, this this might need not actually be related to how pretty you think they are, to yeah. you know how how uh, inherently sexy they they appear to you, but it's actually you know the attractiveness that is is often hard to kind
0: of pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or sometimes like. You know, if someone has just done something shitty or said something <laughs> shitty, like um, you know, it's so often you meet like attractive people and then they open their mouths and you're like, wow, Oh yeah. okay, that you know, and it's just like everything, you know the door slams shut. Well, um, <laughs> but, but sometimes it takes a while, right? Like sometimes that first like stupid
1: joke or shitty remark, you're like, oh, oh, you know that 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 was kind of stupid, and you know, but then you know, there's uh, often Um, often there's a few more and you kind of feel the same, but then it's like gone, it's gone. Yeah. Like that, that, that one thing they say, just like, like you said, it's, it just shuts the doors and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and when it's switched off, it's like, it's like cold water to the face. It's like, oh yeah, that is, that is completely gone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, you know, a big factor for me is how attractive I feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has a big effect on my libido. If I'm if I'm not feeling great about myself, my libido is is really low. And, and you know, and and it's um it can be hard to you know I, I I think that sex is easier if you are turned on by yourself to some degree. Yes, for right? sure. And 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 if you're not feeling that, it's it's hard for you to to really understand what you know um, that your partner could possibly be into it i guess
0: yeah and i've i've been really experiencing a lot of that over the last i mean couple years probably but especially over the last like six months um Mm. this has been a huge factor for me because like i and especially the comparison we were talking earlier about when you when you look at how things were and then you're like why is this different um but You know, especially when we were first doing non monogamy and we were like having so much wild sex and all these people were attracted to me and I was like taking sexy pictures and, and I was like, I was super attracted to myself. Um, and I felt so sexy and just really desirable, um, to other people and to myself. And it was, it just, my libido had gone from, you know, being like a thing to just, feeling like it was there all the time. Like just any given moment, if someone was like, you want to go? I'd be like, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Um, And over the past while, and I know that, you know, a piece of it is we're going to talk about in the next section is related to having been going through depression and um, just really losing a lot of touch with, with how I feel about myself and sort of things just seeming really pointless um and not like feeling like I want to go and move my body and Mm. doing a lot of just comfort eating and just sort of feeling like I just want to be really internal and and wrapped in something warm and soft um and not like exposed and putting myself out there and so I've really especially like you know I've been dating my mermaid and you know she's like beautiful and she's tall and willowy and has this, you know, long raven hair and you know, like you know, we both crushed on her for years before I hooked up with her and so like she feels so unattainable um <laughs> yet she's into me and I'm just like but I'm constantly questioning that when we're together. Hmm. Um and it's just like the how could she possibly be into me question and yeah, it it makes it hard to feel sexy and, and to like, I'm sometimes feel like I want to set up with a date with her, but then I also sort of think, oh, like, I don't, I don't want to go through that. You know, even though what I'm going through is an amazing sexual experience, there's just, there's the, the angst and, and anxiety related to it that, um, that makes it hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and and non monogamy has like sort of uh, an additional factor with the, you know, the feeling, uh, feeling attractive, uh, feeling sexy, uh, and that's um, comparing yourself to your partner's other partners, mm-hmm. right? Like, and and um, and often it's like it's like oh, you know, this this uh, this other person is so hot, you know, what what is what do they see in me and um, and. You know, but, but really when we when we think about what what attracts us and what I talked about before about sort of the how um you know how we, we can be super attracted to people that you know uh, that in in a way that's that's not strictly related to how close to a you know a ten out of ten they are, mm-hmm. right? Um and so if we can if we can apply that thinking to ourselves and and see that, you know, we're you know, wow, we're really sexy and that that you know if, if we're somebody's type that that mm-hmm. you know, that they're they're gonna click with that even even if we don't feel like our own type sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it, it all of that really ties into the psychological aspects of sex. Um and, you know, I, I talked about depression, that feeling like that you can't even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that with masturbation even recently. Because um, often when I'm not feeling up to having partnered sex, then at least I want to masturbate. Because then, you know, you're getting the pleasure. You can do it really efficiently. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, you don't have to think about anyone else's needs. You can just do your thing. I know what I like. Yeah, I know what I like. <laughs> and And... Yeah, um, but recently, I just can't even be bothered. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'd have to like take my pants off. <laughs> like, seriously, like these things. You don't are, have to take your pants off. I know I don't have to, but I at least need to get few enough layers that uh, I can get the you know Hitachi to to go through the fabric. Um, but yeah, like it just it feels like more more effort than it's worth. Which is always a sign that I'm like, oh, I am depressed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but you know that that can definitely be a thing, and often I use sort of masturbation to keep my libido kind of. Charged somewhat. It's yeah, like, I was. You know, I, I was going to say drive in your car every now and then in the in the <laughs> winter just to keep the battery. You know. Um, yeah, I was going to say like one one
1: of the the tricks to libido if you're feeling your your libido is low is to is to masturbate. You mm-hmm. know, with a a sort of um, a certain amount of uh, regularity. If you you know if you're um, some people may find that if they're masturbating every day that that it, it, their libido is lower yeah. because they're you know they're burning off so much, but But by the same token, if you're if you're masturbating, you know, uh, once a week or less, you may find that that your libido is quite low because it's not sort of being nudged. And, you know, and so, uh, you know, every every two or three days can kind of help to keep your your libido sustained a little bit. Mm
0: -hmm. With anxiety, the feeling of not being comfortable or not being safe can definitely affect a libido as well.
1: Well, and, and if you have anxiety and depression, and depression, um, together, like a lot of people do, um, you know, often one of them is, is the yeah. primary um, pathology that, and the other one is related. But regardless, if you're experiencing both, they fuel each other. So yeah. the depression, the feelings of, you know, not being good enough, your anxiety pings off of those. And it's, yeah. it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm, I might get rejected. It's, you know, my, you know um, I might give them a bad sexual experience because, you know, I'm not that great and, you know, yada, yeah. yada. So, yeah, these things get, get very mixed up.
0: Yeah, I've I've had the feeling of going to a play party and having a bit of a of an anxiety attack beforehand thinking like what if I'm so bad at sex <laughs> that I ruin everybody's night? Like that nobody at this party is able to have a good time because I am so absolutely terrible what if i ruin
1: all the orgasms there are no orgasms at this party and it's all my fault yeah it sounds like a dream that i might have Uh,
0: i've had this experience like having that feeling and yeah it, it made it pretty hard to feel very horny in that moment now anxiety
1: and also adhd can um can affect your libido because of the um the inability to sort of Enjoy the experience yeah, without be, distractions. Be yeah, be in the moment. Exactly, the distractions can um, can create uh, inability to to experience arousal, or if you are aroused, to sustain arousal. Um, and, you know, because of, because of the distractions and worries. Um, now, it, some people with ADHD can experience the opposite where they they can have um hyperactive libido because um you know because of uh, hyperfocus and Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. you know so some people with adhd have libido problems either directly or because of the medication others you know um they 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 may have a a strong healthy libido or even an overactive libido that Mm -hmm. they um that they find interferes with their uh, daily lives
0: yeah, and medications can be yes. such a piece. You know, we were talking about the depression. Antidepressants are notorious for affecting uh, sexual desire. Yeah, And um, so many of them, you know, that are on the market have this kind of effect, and it's very rare that doctors are willing to take that into consideration. And I feel very fortunate that my doctor does take that into consideration. And when we talked about it years and years ago, I said, "No, I'm not willing to take those because of this side effect." And then, when my depression got bad enough, that I was like, "Okay, I have to take something." Um, you know, we talked about it, and she helped me pick one that was less likely to yes. affect um, my libido. Um, now, now some people, um, even
1: uh, even with medication that can have sexual side effects. The relief from yes. the symptoms improves their libido more than the yes. than the drug uh, diminishes it
0: yeah for sure so it's it's definitely worth trying and experimenting yeah. and, and figuring out what works for you and and some people have paradoxical effects to, yes. to medication so there's so many pieces of of this kind of stuff that are, are there but but knowing that that can be a thing and, you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to continue to look for um, medical practitioners who will support yes. your choices in, in your sexual health being a priority.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, it can be tough for people who, who have trouble being able to make choices about their care providers. Yeah. So, you know, you, you may need to sort of strongly advocate and, you know, and, and just firmly uh, refuse to take certain medications if if they're not working for you um which you know i mean that can be tough for people with depression and anxiety to confront a healthcare professional
0: yeah um so if you're if you're able to have a planned parenthood yeah. in your in your area that you can uh, go to you'll sometimes have some better support there
1: Now, some psychological effects on libido may be situational or related to specific life stresses. Uh, Grief is kind of, um, you know, has a can have a, a big and long term effect on your psychological health, and so your libido as as a result.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And and some people experience kind of a spike in the beginning um or shortly after a big loss because there's that that sort of craving to feel life.
1: Yeah, that life affirming quality yeah. of it. Yeah. And um you know and and I think that there there can also be that that nihilistic libido. Effect of grief, which yeah. is you know you 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 know you you're kind of in despair, and it's sort of like you know um, uh, using using sex as a way to regulate that, similar to to the way people might use alcohol or other drugs.
0: Yeah, I've had some pretty amazing despair sex. <laughs> I mean,
1: despair sex is is one of the things that that causes like ex sex after breakups, right? Yes. It's like it's like oh my god, we're so unhappy, and we're both sharing this unhappy experience, yeah. and so you you know you have a uh, you know a really amazing bone sesh that um, that you 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 may not like actually cry, but it the expression of it almost feels like crying.
0: Yeah, like, it's it's so. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah you're just you're so connected and so it's just so physical um in that moment that that yeah it's wow I'm going to a place now with grief
1: um sort of in in beyond the the sort of the very first very raw and acute uh grief uh, where you're kind of you know in in that that uh sort of malaise state of grief mm-hmm. um sex may feel inappropriate like um feeling aroused may create feelings of you know of of shame and mm-hmm. and uh, and guilt so um those those can be serious boner killers and um uh you know counseling for grief can be mm-hmm. a good way to to kind of restore uh, some some normalcy to 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 sexual function
0: yeah yeah getting getting that affirmation that you know that you're allowed to feel joy yeah. and pleasure and that sort of thing.
1: No, um, no. I I just want to touch on something we've talked about before, which is grief isn't necessarily just bereavement, yes, right? Like exactly. gr- grief can be, uh, you know, can be after the loss of a of a relationship. It can be from from job loss. It can be from uh, you know from uh, from moving and feeling alone, or from from somebody you care about moving. Yeah, and feeling alone. So so grief, uh, you know, loss of a loss of a you know, often when people think about the psychological effects of grief, they they only think about the death of a family member. Yeah. But but grief can can come up in a, in a lot of other situations that that uh, affect us deeply.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and another um, psychological factor that we'll just touch on because obviously we're not like we're not trained in psychology, but trauma is is something that can really have a huge effect on libido, um, particularly if it's trauma related to sexual abuse or sexual assault. Yes, um, It can, yeah, it can have very long-term effects and, and the help of, of a professional um, who can assist a person to, to work through the trauma and, you know, find a way to come back to their, their libido, if that's right for them uh, is, is a piece that um, can can help people through that.
1: Yeah, I would. I would urge anyone suffering from uh, from trauma after um, after abuse or assault to to definitely seek out uh, professional uh, assistance because uh, amateur assistance can potentially do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's it's you know a, a well-meaning uh, you know amateur counselor or even a loved one. Um, you know, it, it, that, that, that may not actually, uh, produce, produce healthy results. So yeah, I I would urge somebody to seek professional assistance. Now um we talked a little bit about um we, we talked about the psychological factors of libido but there's also um the social factors the societal factors you know how do how how much of an effect does does culture and upbringing have on libido
0: yeah and you know so many people were raised in really conservative homes that had a lot of shame around sex um, often because their parents were raised with that sort of thing. And mm. so um, it's often this cycle of, of sex negativity that people are raised with. And so, you know, that can make it really hard to have a healthy view of desire. Uh, yeah. Because there can be so much shame related to it, and um, it can be really difficult to shake that off. And it's not always an upbringing kind of thing with, with shame. Sometimes you've been in a really bad relationship where someone has shamed you for your desires. Yes. Um, you know, like even just going through school, like the idea that, you know, you're a slut if you like sex and, and that kind of thing. Like it being so shameful to like want to experience physical pleasure, Um is it, it can really negatively affect your your libido in the long term. Well, there's there's a point you know. Um,
1: peers are really part of someone's upbringing, yes. and and in fact there's yes, there's kind of a graph that that they can um, that they can chart that shows the shift uh, of the effect on family life versus peers uh, on yeah. on who you are and who you 're becoming yeah you know and, and you know and as someone gets gets older and goes into their teenage years, it swings very strongly towards peers and so you know, one of, the, one of the, the big things that we can instill in our, in our children is, you know, how to, how, to, how to pick good friends and have healthy relationships. Those are skills that, that kids should be taught, you know, early because that's going to be really important in their teenage years when they, it's, it's still shaping who they are. On the wet Coast, we'll be right back. I'm Jace.
0: I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker.
1: And with our powers combined, we are the, the Multiamory, multi-amory podcast. podcast.
0: If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and
1: you have no desire to improve your romantic life,
0: then our podcast might not be for you. But... If you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself,
1: or learn more about non-monogamy, then come check out the Multiamory podcast on the Swingset Network at Swingset.fm, the Swingset FM Android app, or at Multiamory.com.
0: We're back. So the quality of relationship you have with people um, will also affect it. Um, Things like resentment is going to be a real libido killer. And I think that's a huge part of so many of the traditional hetero relationships where the wife is... Is feeling resentful of the husband who, you know, doesn't help around the house and leaves her to keep track of all of the things, um, and to know when the kids have to be here and there and, you know, making dinner and running the household and working full time and that sort of, you know, typical scenario, um, and so often in those situations, she's feeling less and less desire. Um, and he's like, why isn't she into it? <laughs> um, and, you know, this is this obviously is not like everyone's experience at all, but it, it's, it's been a really common kind of scenario that's played out. And, and that resentment. someone is is you know you're not gonna want to fuck that person
1: yeah you know and and um i we've talked before about the the kind of quiet misogyny of of you know unequal domestic labor Mm -hmm. and um you know and there's amongst um amongst men of my generation who i think would Generally, consider themselves, um, you know, feminist or feminist leaning. There's, there's still a lot of that leaving that to to their partner, you know, and and un, under under the pretense of you know it matters to them more. Yes. They're better at it. Uh, I'm willing to do whatever they will ask, yeah. but you know, we uh, like. They just talk, have
0: to tell me what they need. Just have to tell
1: me what they need, but you know, like these are. These are skills that anybody can learn. You can learn to look around and see what needs doing. You can learn to, um, like, what the fuck? You can't learn to be, to, how the, how the appliances work. You can't learn how, you know, how to, how how to clean the goddamn counter. Like, yeah, like, there's, so, um, domestic incompetence is not an excuse for being a, uh, a a secret misogynist. So,
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah, and living with a secret misogynist is not going to make you want to bone them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another another piece is safety. If you don't feel safe with that partner, it's going to definitely affect your libido. Um, or sometimes if you just don't feel safe in the location. Um, so, I'm someone who's, you know, pretty adventurous sexually. I'm really into sex. But if someone wants to have sex with me outside, I'm not going to want to do it. Um, they won't, you know, bone me in a park or something like no i don't feel safe in that situation um and so i'm just like all attraction and desire is gone and so feeling like you're you're having sex in a place that that you feel safe and you feel comfortable is going to definitely affect uh libido
1: yeah you know but some people are aroused by absolutely by sex in public you know a a lot um you know and there's 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 also a sort of a well documented phenomenon of people being attracted to dangerous partners. Yes. Even if that person is a danger to you, yeah. there is there is a paradoxical effect where the, it's it's a complicated psychological cocktail but a big component of it is you know um, this is a dangerous person I you know if I can sort of mollify them they can you know they can deal with other threats to me mm. etc there's there's a there's a, a lot of complicated things going on there but you know I would I would argue that that um, if you are uh, if you're aroused by a dangerous partner, that um, you should uh, talk to psychological professionals and um, and look to your own to your own physical safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on shame a little bit, but one of the things that shame does is it creates a real discord between uh, you know arousal and interest. And our feelings about that arousal and interest. So you, you talked about uh, a little bit about arousal non-concordance mm-hmm. um, from, from Come As You Are. And shame is a big factor in that where um, you you may have uh, even um, latent or subconscious interest in something. And that creates this uh, this this sort of strong um, reaction to it, yes. uh, this strong aversion to it. And if you kind of peel that, that layer a little bit, what's what's under underneath it is actually a shame-filled desire.
0: Yeah. And I mean it can it can boil down to simply how kids when they get to a certain age start finding kissing scenes gross. Yep. And And and, and little little kids don't. Little little kids, they don't care. No, but it's but it's, it's kids it's, that are starting to make that switch yep. um into puberty and they start being like, eww, and they make a big production about it because it is interesting and it is they're having feelings about it and it's all very conflicted um and so aversion response the disgust response is is what crops up and so people's disgust response you know in relation to kinks Mm -hmm. uh you know especially kinks that are sort of considered more out there like water sports or something like that there will often be like a big fast disgust response um before there is sort of any understanding that, like, maybe you actually want that and and can explore that in a in a healthy, happy, consensual way, um, but well, and that, that shame is often just such a big piece of that. A lot of us have really, you know,
1: there's um, for a lot of us, we have never gotten away completely from that socialized you response yeah. of eight year olds right yeah. like we um you know as as you grow up like you know the 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 response to hearing about uh you know a friend's uh, sex life is usually you yeah. um the uh, the portrayal of um kink in media yeah. it's usually you it's usually you know humorous yeah. or ridiculous it's usually uh, done to to kind of um, you know humiliate or ridicule a character um, you know portray somebody in it uh, you know in a in a negative light um so so yeah i I actually specifically remember uh, a few instances where you know um, friends were uh, expressed disgust about sort of male sexuality and mm-hmm. sort of the you know the the kind of stab that 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 gave me
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so so shame is is such a big part for for so many of us, and trying to unlock
1: that. Yeah, um, yeah. to
0: find find a way to to libido. And, um, and what you know, one of the things that I talked
1: about at, at a workshop is to um, to try to keep in mind that when you when you ew something, you might be ewing something that someone in the room actually secretly is into yeah. you know it might it might be the person sitting next to me, next to you it might be your partner of 10 or 15 or 20 years yeah. so so you know just be mindful of who you might be uh hurting yeah. when you react like that and you know and it's also okay to walk it back right yeah. like for you, you something you know like you, you maybe make a joke about you know how oh i that, that was just my middle school response I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's actually gross but you know something like yeah. that
0: Yeah, because, and I mean, you and I have done that to one another. Yeah, we have. Um, And it, and we, you know, found, sort of figured it out. And we're like, (laughs) oh, crap, whoops. And we apologized and, and we, you know, worked our way through it. But yeah, it's something that is, is really easy to do. Yeah.
1: You know, on the subject of of repression, um, one of the, one of the things that, it feels like um, less of a factor nowadays, thanks to um, the progression of, uh, of LGBT rights. But you know, people often partner to somebody that they are are not uh, actually sexually attracted to because yeah. they they're selecting a partner that society has told them is an, is a suitable
0: partner. Yeah, particularly in in religious situations. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely a factor. So, you know, you're, if you're not particularly attracted to that gender, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be hard to really, to, you know, have a, have a healthy libido. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's a really tricky one. And obviously, we don't have answers for any of these. And, <laughs> and to talk to a, a healthcare professional um is going to be, but, you know, response. Same with, you know, people with paraphilias. Um, yeah, it's not always going to be easy to find someone who's able to, to share those desires with you. Um, and obviously not attraction to other genders is, does not equal a paraphilia, but um, you know, these are just things that, yeah, words.
1: Things that can benefit from, from some counseling. and
0: you know. Yeah. And especially if you're in a situation where you're unable to, experience those things or if it is something that is unattainable yeah um that uh, having some some assistance to work through uh, any any issues you might be experiencing with it is is really helpful um yeah so this we've still got a lot to cover this may end up being a two-part episode or just a very long one <laughs> um one of the things lightning round <laughs> <laughs> okay let's see how fast we can say this um one of the other things that, that definitely came out of the book, Come As You Are, for me, um, was was talking about your accelerator and your brakes. Mm. And with desire, until I read the book, all I'd really ever heard of was about try- things that, that help with your accelerator. Um, they, don't, they don't use that term, but, no, it, no, but no. it's about increasing desire. Yeah, it's always about, this is what you can do to increase desire. This is what you can do to increase desire. And... Never had I heard until, until the book that talking about finding things that take your foot off the brakes. Mm. So, yeah, like, it, it doesn't matter how much you put your foot on the accelerator, if your foot is slammed on the brakes, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, And so, figuring out both pieces of that is so important. So, you know, as I mentioned before, like, for me personally, a lot of people really like it. Um, someone wanting to have sex outside even if I'm really attracted to them, you know, all if all of the things that would normally set my accelerator um, on the being outside and feeling unsafe is going to hit my brakes, and I won't be able to overcome that. And so, you know, no matter what they show up wearing or smelling like, (laughs) or, or the moves that they do or any of that, like, so those are definitely pieces that that trying to figure out will will make such a difference. And there's a bunch of worksheets, you know, in the book as well that, that deal with, like, really thinking through these pieces for you.
1: So, what are some other examples f- about things that might step on the brakes?
0: Um, it might be, uh, like, timing. Right. Like, you know, oh, I've got this other thing I need to go do, or... Um, you know we've got to go pick up the kids in half an hour or maybe so it's about
1: being maybe, being preoccupied
0: yeah or like the kids are in the other room again like you're self-conscious and, and mm. worried about getting um, you know them discovering you or um, you know, yeah, you have this big work presentation to to think about, and like you're just like, I don't fucking have time for this. <laughs> or like,
1: yeah, I think this sort
0: of shame
1: or other self-image things we talked about yeah. can be can be you know examples of of things that put on the brakes.
0: Yeah, and in some of those situations, um, you know, the physical like not feeling well are times that I end up being a doer rather than a receiver. Um, so, I've been at events where I felt, like, really physically unwell, but I've been able to give other people pleasure, but when someone is trying to touch me in any kind of a pleasurable way, I'm like, nope! Well, Um, and, um...
1: You know, and and those that can be an example of of a uh, you know sort of a, a partial solution that, as things unfold, can turn into a full solution. Yeah. So it's it's like you know um, when when we hosted a, a play party a few months ago uh, you know, one, one of the guests was like, you know, I don't think I'm really into, um, uh, being touched or doing anything. And so, you know, started off by, you know, um, asking people to do things to her, to her partner and stuff. Um, but you know, over the course, uh, of the, the evening sort of, you know, warming up and uh, she became, you know, real, you know, really, really active and, you know, and, and pretty much, uh, ended up as, you know, sort of the, uh, the center of, uh, um, attention at one point. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, like if you kind of, um, you know, find something to kind of, you know, um, uh, compromise and, and make, make things possible, it, it might actually unlock things and, and, and take the foot off the brakes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And giving yourself the space to, to do that and giving somebody else the space to do that. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um, and yeah, context is everything. Like it's, it's just so often, um, you know, things that would be sexy in one situation are not sexy in a different context. And so, um, so yeah, figuring that out is, it can, can really unlock a lot of those, those things that are, are pressing on the brakes. So you said there's some worksheets
1: on come as you are?
0: Yeah, yeah, there's some, some really great stuff that talks about, like, breaking down when you've had a, um, a sexy experience, um, what things were present. So, sort of going on mental and physical well being, and there's a bunch of different things. And, you know, partner characteristics, what was present with the partner, you know, relationship characteristics, what was going on there, the setting, other life circumstances, and the things that you do. And so, like, breaking down times that you've had, like, an amazing sexual experience and all the pieces that were in play, and then also doing the same with times that you've had a really bad sexual experience and breaking all those same sort of things down. And then you can sort of see, like, what are the things that were were in the positive column and what were the things in the negative column and how can I adjust my sexual experiences to be more in that column that, that leads to positive experiences? Yeah, some things
1: that can then actually have a surprisingly big effect for people um, are things like uh, the lighting. Yeah. So... Um, some people may, you know, they may not want to, to sort of be fully visible because they're self-conscious uh, or they may just find that it puts them in the mood if it's darker. Um, some people might be very uncomfortable in complete darkness and yeah. um, uh, things like if there's music playing. Uh, some people feel, may feel much more comfortable with music playing, uh, whereas you know others may find it distracting. So yeah. you know these are these are sort of you know nuanced things that can have a uh, you know big effect on on specifically how comfortable you feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes like you listen to certain music and it like it it turns you on <laughs> and, and figuring out like, maybe I could make a sexy playlist that has a bunch of these sorts of things on it. Um, provided your partners, you know, sh- share similar things and if it works for everybody, but, um, sometimes that can be a really great way to, to boost that accelerator.
1: And you know, and sometimes, um, for for people with a lot of like you know anxious energy that can that can be a distraction, um, having you know being uh, being blindfolded to sort of reduce the the amount of uh, stimulus can mm-hmm. help, mm-hmm. Um, or even uh, you know even if it doesn't involve uh, having sex. Have you know uh, getting a spanking or a flogging can can help to kind of um, relieve a lot of tension, and that can that can help with libido to you know to to have those things um, because of the you know the endorphins produced as well as sort of the uh, the letting go that it requires, mm. and you know sort of the um, the letting go of of uh, you know the need to to, uh, to have complete control
0: and i think it's also you know it's anchoring it's it's mm, you know yes. you know it's essentially like mindfulness because it is, you yeah. can't help but be in your body yep. in those moments and so it brings you out of your brain and into your body and that it, you know often is a big part of what what helps us feel desire so getting on the same page with with someone when you've maybe you know had discordant libidos can right. be really challenging you know, if one person is really interested in sex regularly and, and the other person isn't so much, you know, it can be really hard to to find something that doesn't feel like a lot of pressure or a lot of, you know, condemnation, either direction. And in so much of our society, the condemnation goes toward the person who wants more sex. <laughs> you know, if they were to go see a couples counselor, you know, in, in many circumstances, it's basically tells the person who wants more sex, like, to just cut that out. Um, and that they shouldn't want that and that you know and neither person is is right nor wrong in this situation they just have discordant libidos and sometimes you can work together to try to find a way to get closer to that and and talking about it is a big piece of that um but it it you know it can be it can be challenging especially if you've maybe been having sex that you haven't especially wanted to have and haven't especially enjoyed um you know talking to a partner and telling them that that's been going on can be really difficult like the way that you've been doing you know this list of things doesn't work for me and is in fact is a turnoff um Mm. can be really difficult and so finding you know gentle and and helpful ways to talk about a lot of these things um can be really important and um and doing like workshops together or workshops, worksheets together can be helpful to sort of compare and contrast like what things, you know, are on your list of things that you, that you really like and what things are on your list of things that, that really shut you down and, you know, figuring out how to to game the system to, to get it that it helps both of you or, you know, taking turns like that this time I get all this stuff because this is what works for me and this time you get all this stuff because this is what works for you and that you bounce back and forth in a, in a fun way.
1: Now, for some people, um, the, the solution to uh, disparity in libido is uh, non-monogamy. Yeah. Um, if one partner is mostly uninterested in sex, um, then that having having that sex with, with uh, you know with people uh, that aren't in that relationship is the solution. And um, for for some people, um, the entire idea of that is intolerable. Yeah. You know, it's it's like you know um, I don't want to have sex, and so that means that uh, that we're not going to have sex together. And that is often an important crossroads for partners. Is how um, how important is is your monogamy uh, so important that it needs to be enforced um, even to the um in a in a sexless relationship or Mm -hmm. mostly sexless relationship
0: well and again it comes down to what we were talking about with you know people going to see counselors often the person who wants the sex is considered flawed Mm -hmm. and that they should just get over it i think it's variously both
1: i think that people who i think the people who want a lot of sex are in the wrong and people who want no sex are in the wrong they're that they're that both of those those people are variously treated poorly by uh, by society and by counselors. Um, a, a partner who never wants to have to have sex is um, is definitely um, is definitely vilified. You know, we've we have people talk about you know um, partners being being frigid mm-hmm. and um, you know so. There's, there's some Goldilocks zone in the middle where people are supposed to have the right amount of sex. Yeah. But, you know, wha- what is the right amount of sex? There's, there's no such thing. So it's, it's really just about trying to figure out how to make your, your relationship work and your libido's um, you know, um, compatible, finding the, the compatibility in, in that Venn diagram.
0: Yeah. And ideally, you would find a partner that you were compatible with, Yes, um, which is often, you know, one of the first things that doesn't happen. Although, you know, as people age and grow and change, you know, our libidos are, are in flux all the time. But because sexual compatibility is such a low piece on the list of, of important things in finding a partner so often people are paired with people they're completely incompatible with as oh, for far sure. as their sexuality yeah. goes
1: well because um, p- because it's it's not supposed to be important People will often, you know, suck it up. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, you know, pretend that they're happy having lots of sex or pretend they're happy having infrequent sex okay. because they, you know, this shouldn't be important. I love this person. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to do what, what they, what they want and pretend that it's okay. And, and you will even see people getting into relationships with, uh, with asexual people. And you know, and uh, thinking that I'm going to be okay with this, you know, and, um, and um, you know, and, and not realizing that that actually sex is is a comp- an important part of who who they are and how they express themselves in relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, those are obviously like big, complicated solutions. But sometimes there are some pretty simple solutions to to what might be going on. Is like you might just need to make the room warmer. <laughs> um, you know, it might be like, I just don't want to get undressed. And and you'd never really thought about that piece of it but, it, but it's there. Or you might need, you know, a bit more warm up or more words of affirmation. You're not feeling great about your body. And so you need more of your partner, like telling you how hot they think you are and saying great things about, about you and reiterating their attraction for you so that you can sort of see your attraction through their eyes yeah um you you know maybe if you're concerned about like the roommate hearing or the kids hearing you know having like a white noise machine going or like maybe a gag (laughs) (laughs) like something like that can that can take care of that piece that is that's been getting in the way and so sometimes you know like by going through and and breaking everything down you can find like that there may be a, a somewhat simple solution yeah, obviously,
1: it's if if you've been in that situation of mismatched libido for a long time, um, there can be hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, if you do get couples counseling to try and sort this out, uh, I definitely recommend trying to find uh, you know a very sex positive counselor yes. because for some counselors, sex is not important, and yeah. the important thing is um, you know is uh, um, is salvaging the relationship at any cost. Yeah. And,
0: an asect in the states is the is the association of uh, of uh, sex sex positive counselors and therapists and stuff so you can look at their website to find out we don't have anything like that in Canada um so you do need to read people's uh info and maybe ask some questions But in the states they do have a a specific uh, list of of therapists and counselors that are available so what to do when your libido has just completely left the building? I, I
1: guess not have sex anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, is, that is one of the things you can do.
1: That's a normal solution. But I, 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 um, it's important that, to talk to your partner about it, I think, because uh, I think what, what can really easily happen is feeling like it's situational, but it, situ- it turns out to be situational every single time. Right, like it's mm. like it's like oh I don't feel like it right now i oh not right now oh I'm I'm you know I have to do this oh I'm busy oh I'm tired I'm you know if if it's always something then it's it's uh, um it's probably something more
0: yeah and talking to each other that you know you're affirming that that it's not because you don't love the person or not that you don't like them or even not that you don't find them attractive. Um, because that I know for me, when we've gone through phases where you haven't been interested in having sex, I 100% think it's because you're not wanting to have sex with me. And even when I know that there's other factors in play, my brain tells me it's because of me. And so, you know, getting that reassurance, um, and it can be hard to ask for that reassurance because it feels really needy and we're not supposed to ever have any needs, um, And that is a joke. Um, (laughs) But it, yeah, it can be really tough to to feel like your partner doesn't desire you anymore. And so, you know, talking about that, getting that reassurance um, can be really important. And maybe there can be some accommodations that can be made. Maybe you can, like, masturbate together. Um, or you can like watch them masturbate. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling into it right now, but you know, I'd love to watch you pleasure yourself. And that can, um, that can be just like a great way to stay connected and stay sexually connected, even if you're not necessarily participating. Maybe you can help them or just have them like look at your butt or, you know, there's different things that you can do to, to keep that connectivity. Um, yeah,
1: um, you are your partner, your partner masturbating doesn't necessarily need to be, need to be solo, right? Like Mm -hmm. you you can, uh, you can pull their hair, you could, um, you could uh, stroke their back or bite their back. Like there's, there's a lot of, a lot of things you can do to, uh, to make it a connected experience. And, you know, I know for me, um, you know, I, I usually have to masturbate to, to have an orgasm, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, but the difference between a solo orgasm and a partnered orgasm, even if, even if it's, it's my hand that's, that's getting me off, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like nine day.
0: Yeah. So you can, you know, figure out ways that, you know, and obviously like you want to feel good about those things. If, like if these things don't feel good to you, then they're not the right things to be doing. Um, but it can be a way to, to keep that connection going, you know, watching porn together maybe, or, um if, if non-monogamy is a better option, that, um, that you're just, you're, you're not into it and you can't really see when you're going to get there. And, you know, maybe finding uh, other partners is going to be the way that, that you're going to work your way through it.
1: So because feeling sexy is a big factor in libido, one of, one of the biggest uh, ways to, to find your libido again is, is to get your sexy back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, that, that can be, that can be tough, but, you know, you already talked about, you know, getting, getting, uh, uh, you know, reassurance and affirmation from your, from your partner, Um non-monogamy can be great for for feeling sexy, like Mm -hmm. sharing sharing pictures with uh, with people and um you know and flirting and dirty talk uh sexting. You know, these are these are things to to kind of help reaffirm your your sexual self.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just being kind and patient with yourself. That's that's something I am not good at. (laughs) Um and I've you know since i've been going through this this phase with with not much libido i'm like mean to myself about it and really trying to find a way to be to be kind to yourself and accepting that this is the way things are right now and maybe this is the way they're going to be from now on um and you could you know you're going to figure out a way to work with that if that's the case, but, but just being patient and kind with yourself if you're going through it can be much more helpful because telling myself that I'm garbage all the time, you know, strange. That's not super
1: sexy. Doesn't no.
0: help me feel sexy because, you know, I don't have that kind of a humiliation kink and that just, you know, isn't, isn't something that gets me there, so... Mindfulness
1: practices and meditation can, can help a lot, even if it's not directly linked to, uh, to sexuality, but it, um, it can help you to kind of quiet the, the, the noise that, um, you know, and, and some of that noise can be sort of the, um, the inner critic or, or it might just be distracting. But, uh, these are things that, that interfere with, with your libido.
0: Mindfulness can be great because it can get you in touch with your body that we talked about earlier, like Mm, feeling, uh you know, when you're getting into bed, thinking about like, how does this sheet feel on my skin? Like, you know, and, and really getting in touch with those sorts of things can sort of help you, you feel that wiring in your body um, in a way that. That especially when we're like super stressed and and have a lot of stuff going on that we're just in our heads, like actually getting back into our bodies, we can be like, "Oh yeah, actually, it turns out I am turned on, but I just wasn't aware of it because I was you know I was in my head so much, and getting back into your body and just thinking about like how does this touch feel and how does this movement feel can can really help bring us back into a place where we we start to feel some sensuality again. And we talked a bit about, um, you know, masturbation as a way to
1: kind of, um, uh, create that, that hormonal cycle and, um, you know, and it, and it may mean, you know, kind of giving it a try, even if you aren't feeling like you, like you really want to get off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's this time and this is when I do it and, you know, it's, Yeah, as long as it's not causing you to be like, you know, have a really bad experience, like just being like, all right, I guess I'll go through this, I can can help kickstart some things. And sometimes scheduling sex with a partner. Um, Again, as long as you're like there and you're willing to be there. um, Sometimes, you know, getting into those habitual things can just remind you that you can enjoy it. Uh, because something I've I've definitely noticed is, you know, if one of us has a date or if we have a date together and we get home from work and we're just exhausted and you're just like, oh, my God, how are we going to go do this? Once we get there, you usually get into it. Yep. And so, making those experiences with each other so that you don't just go like, oh, should we just like watch TV? Just never mind. But being like, no, we we made this date and we're going to do this. Um, Often, when you when you start getting into it, you you do really get into it, and and so it can help to to kick start things again. And novelty, you know, we talked about non monogamy that often kick starts things, having a bunch of new experiences. Maybe you know a new toy. Um, if you're doing a lot of solo sex or even with partners, like um, having something new to experience. Maybe just doing it in a different room of the house or. Or being in a hotel or, you know, just having... Or doing something that
1: you know you both like that you haven't done in a
0: long time. Yes, yeah, because often you sort of have these habitual things, a different position even, that that you um, can just like fire different, you know, brain cells to, to go and, and then, you know, you're going to remember the attraction,
1: yeah. Now, uh, sort of uh, the the counterpoint to adding some novelty is um, maybe just have lazy, normal, ordinary sex. Yeah. Like o- often people feel a lot of pressure to have like amazing sex and and porn star sex and and so um, you know mm-hmm. like maybe just uh, have have a lazy time uh, make out um and uh, have have a couple orgasms.
0: Yeah. Yeah, have the equivalent of what you're doing with the the masturbation of like yeah, sure fine. Um <laughs> like and just have that but you're connected, you're touching each other. Um yeah, you're you're feeling that that part of you. So
1: yeah, I mean one one of the we talked uh, just to touch back a bit on on mental health a little we often in in uh, in sex positivity they talk about uh being an enthusiastic yes or a mm. fuck yes but sometimes sometimes you can be meh uh, and still being a fuck yeah yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like be, being okay, have, you know, just, just having a nice time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be hanging from the rafters all the time.
0: Yeah. And maybe it's like, I'm a, I'm a fuck yeah to you. Yes. And so this experience we're having together is, yeah, I'm here for it. Even if I'm like, yeah, sure. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I am a fuck yeah to you. Oh.
1: So thanks for listening to on the wet coast. The audiobook version of Cat's book, Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, is now available on Audible and iTunes. If you don't have an Audible membership, you can go to Twitter at wetcoastcat Cat and follow the link to Audible. It's also available on ebook and paperback. Go to Amazon.com or visit onthewetcoast.com for links to other marketplaces. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platforms, and it really helps to help more listeners find us. Just a few sentences makes a huge difference to our visibility. Contribute to our Patreon to help us have more adventures to tell you about. Patreon.com slash coast Follow us on Twitter at WetCoastCat, at Sirius flick at on the wet coast. Email questions and comments to contact at on the dot com and go over to on the dot com for cat's blog and more or find them over on life on the dot com. Check out other awesome sex positive podcasts on the Swing Set Network at swingset.fm
0: Hi. This is Angela, co-host of By the By, a podcast for anyone interested in learning a bit more about bisexuality, the swinger community, open relationships, BDSM, and everything else your vanilla friends
1: refuse to talk with you about. You're listening to a Swing Set Network podcast at swingset.fm.
0: Working with others to get on the same page. Pie- Pige. <laughs> G'day, Page. Pige. <laughs>
1: So um he, um who's is it, is it you it's you? me. I'm, it's I was you.
0: trying to subtly uh <laughs> shut it off so it stopped doing that. It went really well. <laughs> <laughs>